Have you dreamed of bigger things for your life? Then you are in the right place. Each week, you will be given tips on how to change your inner dialogue, conquer your goals, and ways to step into a higher version of yourself. I'm your host, Lauren Kubat. I'm a motivational speaker who hosts personal development events. I'm a sought-after fitness instructor, a wife, and a mom of two young boys. I'm obsessed with all things personal development, and I believe anyone can achieve the life they want. Let the Become Your Vision podcast be the inspiration you need to step into greater things. Now let's go. Hi guys, welcome back to the show. I'm very excited about our next guest today. I've been kind of fangirling over her for, I don't know, probably eight months or so. She is a fellow podcaster. She is in the Charleston area. She has about three more years under her belt, but aside from podcasting, she has so much to offer, and I can't wait for you to hear her. Her name is Eliza G. Wellness, and who is she? She is the host of a wellness podcast, Hotter Than Health, a provocative, entertaining, and informative podcast with weekly inter- interviews with professionals and celebrities in the health and wellness space. Eliza is a holistic nutritionist, helping her clients understand and adapt a plant-dominant lifestyle to optimize their digestion and increase their natural energy. After struggling with hormonal imbalances, severe anxiety, and overcoming life's toughest challenges, Eliza is equipped with knowledge and perspective to guide others in the wellness space. Welcome to the show, Eliza. Wow. What a beautiful intro. Who could have written that? (laughs) I I don't know. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. Yeah. So like I said, so I've been following Eliza for probably, I don't know, since last summer, but, um, so we have a mutual, mutual friend, somebody she interviewed and we kind of, we connected after your interview. I, we didn't talk about this before we hit record, but you had interviewed Kelly Broderick from a dash. Mm-hmm. She's the best. She is so fun. And I actually finally met her in person a couple of weeks ago. She like turned around at the gym. I go to, she's like, Eliza. And she was just like, I recognize your voice. She is so kind. So kind. Was it, was it her Kelly or was it, um, Megan? It was, I met, I met Megan. I met Megan. Yeah. So Megan lives here. Kelly lives in Nashville. Um, yeah. but they're the most down to earth people. Um, awesome. But yes, when I was about to view Kelly, Megan had reached out and, um, share your podcast that you did together with me. And then I was like listening to it, but I had to stop because I'm like, I don't want to know this much about the person before I interview. Cause I didn't want to, you know, mess up my questions and things like that. But, um, so then I found you and then I was like, oh my gosh, I don't meet a lot of women in this space. And then I was like, oh my gosh, you have all these really cool episodes. And what I loved about you is you're, you're just yourself and not super polished, which as a listener, I'm very gravitated towards. And then also as a podcast host, like I realized like you just talk the way you talk, you don't, it's not very like stage or anything like that. And 
to be honest, like for a while, I felt like I had to be a certain way and I couldn't say ums and I couldn't say likes. And, you know, I had to present myself in a certain way. And it was very challenging for me because that's not who I am. And then I, I heard like you just being you. And I was like, it almost gave me permission to be myself as a podcast host. So I appreciate you for that. Sure thing. Uh, well, <laughs> it's something I'm working on actually is the non-words. Um, like uh, all of those things I'm trying to get more comfortable with pauses. So as you move forward, listening in the episodes, it definitely started with a ton of ums and buts and so's I'm, I'm transitioning out of that, really working on actually fine tuning and refining just in the interview process, but there's still a lot of cuss words and there's just, we fly by the seat of our pants a lot. Yeah. But I think that makes it so great. And it's, it's challenging because when you listen to yourself, like I've listened to episodes, I'm like, oh my gosh, get it together. What are you doing? Um, and we see with the, um, but we get uncomfortable with, with that space. So, and I think this can apply to anybody, you know, listening, you have to, you present yourself, whether it's at work or in conversations, how are you working through those fillers and being more comfortable in your own voice? That's a great question because you're right. A lot of us get shaken up when we know that there's attention on us or any type of pressure. And what I have come to find is that the more confident I am in the message that I'm trying to convey the more comfortable I am with pauses. If I feel like I constantly have to fill in those blank spaces, it's, it's taking away from the conviction. It's taking away from the impact that I'm trying to make because it just sounds like I'm not comfortable with what I'm saying. So I'm trying to fill the space by, by making sure their attention is still on me when I know that what I'm saying has value and their attention is going to stay on me. The more you think that the attention is going away or, or you're almost embarrassed by what you're saying because you feel like nobody's paying attention then, or you think that nobody's interacting or engaging. That's when you start to fill in the likes and the ums and the buts because we're uncomfortable with our own silence. But at the end of the day, now I can't listen to any anytime I hear the likes and the ums and the butts, I just think it's okay, girl, just take a breath. It's okay. Yeah. And typically it's typically women I I have noticed, but men do it too. Absolutely. Yeah. Especially I think in the very beginning of anything, when you're trying to find, find your voice and you're like, well, how is this being portrayed by the listeners? And what does it sound like? And, but, um, I think that really helped help me is hearing somebody else who has been doing it much longer. And I'm like, she's just doing, doing her. And I appreciated that because, you know, it just helps. I just felt like I had, you know, somebody else in the game, but also I remember, I'm sorry to cut you off people, other podcasters that we hear, mm -hmm. they edit. There are editors, there are people taking out the ums and the buts and the ifs, and then the weird transition statements and the, the little jumbled words that you get in between the middle of interviews that happen naturally and they occur naturally, but they don't sound great on mic. They, they take away from the listener experience. So anytime you hear the perfection, people and podcasters really work hard to make it seem like 
it's seamless and smooth. So it's not, oh, it, it's a little smoke and mirrorsy, but with attention to it. Right. I'm so happy you said that because that is so true. I will forget because there are people like Shalene Johnson. She's my favorite. I don't know if you're familiar with her, the Shalene show. Yeah. I, I've been listening and Lori Harder, she earned your happy. But anyway, they are like my idols in this space. And I've been listening to them for a while. And it's funny because on their IG stories, you know, they don't really have these uh, or they have fillers, but then on their show, I'm like, oh, they don't. So then I question like, well, yes, they they do. Have people that yeah, edit it. So uh, let's get into, let's dive right into what you do, your experience with going plant dominant. You mentioned in your bio, can you go into your pre plant dominant life where you struggled? You mentioned you struggled with severe anxiety. How long ago was that? Looking back, I, I recognize even moments in my early childhood where I was, I had very anxious tendencies, really hyperactive, liked attention, but when I got it, didn't know what to do with it, get anxiety. But then there was also a lot of not instability. I came from a very loving functional household, but there was always a little bit of comparison. There was always a little bit of that lack mentality that I had that gave me a little bit of anxiety. Whereas instead of going towards where, instead of going towards maybe drugs and alcohol, which I definitely, definitely did. Like I started drinking when I was 13, sneaking out, hooking up with boys when I was 13 years old, doing drugs, like driving around in neighborhoods with drunk drivers when I was 13, 14 with friends that I just shouldn't have had. And my parents, it was not the way I was raised. So I definitely started having some crazy behavior starting a little younger, but I hit it pretty well. And I think that I started to really notice and be able to label what I was feeling as anxiety when it was honestly only probably four years ago that I recognized it. But sometimes when you can label and recognize something, you're able to pinpoint when it had started happening. Right. You know, and that really came around the time that my mom was diagnosed with the really rare form of thyroid cancer. I was working, I had gone to college, did the crazy college thing. I actually, I didn't, I didn't love college. I'm one of those people that just, I wasn't excited about going. I wasn't necessarily excited about being there. I had a tough time staying present because I was in a really, I don't know why. I think I, I did get a little bit of seasonal depression because I went to school in the mountains and I was just cold all the time and it just wasn't a good fit for me, but no, finally, I found my place. I, I went to the radio station. I started personal training, all these little things after I had a major car accident, broke my back. And I, all this different perspective started to cultivate and fast forward, you know, I was still going out on the weekends and drinking and kind of getting shit grades. Cause I didn't really care. Um, and I know that sounds really spoiled of me, but you know, I did care. I had a ton of anxiety about my grades, but I didn't necessarily feel the confidence that I could pass tests or, right. you know, I would still do all nighters trying to study, but 
I would get sick right afterwards. I recognized that my body would give me a lot of warnings and I didn't take it. So I would go out, binge drink, like sleep with random guys, which I don't ever talk about, but I was, I had it sometimes like stuffing my face with big fat Jimmy John subs, footlongs every time I went out. So I was eating whatever I wanted, but I always had a base of being plant forward. I always really loved vegetables. I always knew that they were going to make me feel better. I always recognized when, if I was feeling extra puffy or if I had a long weekend, I knew that I wasn't just going to go to Chick-fil-A the next day. I always, I feel really lucky in the sense that I always knew that food could be medicine. Mm -hmm. I graduated college. I had been personal training a little bit. And then I moved to Arizona, got a full-time job still personal training on the side. And I noticed that a lot of my clients really wanted help with eating. So I was like, Oh, macros. And I figured how to balance macros and teach people all this five or six years ago. And people were enjoying it. They were liking it, but it wasn't sustainable. It was more just trying to figure out what I liked. Right. So my mom got diagnosed in 2016 and it just rocked us. Mm -hmm. Uh, She was living in North Carolina. I was in Arizona. And as we started to explore her diagnosis, we realized it was, we realized that we didn't know how much longer we were going to get. And I was flying back and forth every weekend anyways, to go home and spend time and take care of her. I eventually said, fuck that and moved, got in my Prius with my dad, packed up the car, drove cross country to Charleston a lot of people ask why I didn't go straight to Charlotte where my mom was because, and the reason is because I just didn't think that I had that much time with her. Mm-hmm. And so I was still paying rent in Arizona, paying rent in Charleston, but spending all my time in Charlotte, taking care of my mom. And I just remember I was 24 and I was opening up she couldn't swallow. So we had to give her food through a feeding tube. And I took off, I peeled back this can and it looked like it was just this yellow viscous puddingy type of thing. And it was the nutrients to keep my mom alive. Mm -hmm. And I remember pouring it in and going through the process of feeding her through the feeding tube. And I went to like go rinse out the can, throw it away afterwards. And I just remember having a breakdown because I like shaking on the floor, couldn't figure it out, but not crying, just kind of panic attack. Reading the back of the label, I couldn't recognize one ingredient. There were probably 40 on this can Mm -hmm. and it was, it looked like a prescription and I just like, And it gives me a very visceral body response now, but that was a real time where I was like, this is, this is anxiety. Okay. Apart from that, there was a lot going on with family relationships that were really, really harmful and mentally harmful. And, um, I still work through that, but that's when I really started to recognize the physical symptoms that came along with anxiety and, how it affected my hormones. Mm -hmm. So I remember I would be crashing throughout the day. I would have a breakfast, balanced breakfast, 
But I remember midday, you know, I was probably getting seven or eight hours of sleep still, but not quality sleep. Cause you're so anyways, you wake up in the middle of the night and all your fears come right. true and then I'll, you know, but I would just crash during the middle of the day. I would be so tired, like almost in tears that you can't keep your eyes open. I felt like I had a newborn baby and I hadn't slept for more than an hour in a week. Like I genuinely felt like that all the time. I had this crazy cystic acne on my face and you can't as much tell now because I've worked for forever on it, but it would be, I mean, probably at least eight to 12 big cystic pimples on my jaw strap and on my chin. You can't tell now. I'm like, what? (laughs) Thank you. Well, because I'm telling you, girl, it was so painful. And anyone who has struggled with cystic acne knows that you don't even want to make eye contact with people. You pop a pimple, you immediately cover it up because it's so red. It looks like you got socked in the face. It's a, it's a big, it's a big fat bump. It looks like a knuckle under your skin. Anyone who has struggled with cystic acne knows. And it's just like, as soon as you pop it, another one gets there and then you cover it up. You don't want to make eye contact. You don't want to leave your house, but you know that this thing isn't healing because it just keeps coming back and you keep covering it up. And I, Oh, so shitty. So that was a big one. I was getting at the same time, I was getting the worst like yeast infections, chronic UTIs, other infections that I had never gotten before. I wasn't changing up my sexual partners. I wasn't, I would shower without any fragrances. I felt like I was doing everything right. Like apple cider vinegar baths, like all these holistic remedies, like boric acid uh, all the time to try and fix these things. And I was like, what the fuck is going on with my body? At the time, I also had an IUD. As soon as they took the IUD out, I was like, I gotta get this thing out. I remember the same day my skin started to not, the zits didn't go away, but they started to become less inflamed. And I was Mm -hmm. like, okay, there's something to this. And I was on a hormonal IUD. Haven't, haven't done that again since. Absolutely not, not doing that. I'm natural cycles, tracking it myself all the way. And I remember, so I was working as a fitness instructor, waking up at like four, three, 4 a.m. every day to go coach these classes, but it would be in this intense environment, high intensity, black room, strobe lights, pumped up music. And that would be at 5.00 AM when it was still dark outside. So I wouldn't physically see sunlight. I would coach the five, six, seven, eight, and I would not see sunlight until 10 AM. And the sun would be out for, so my whole circadian rhythm was so fucked up. It was also a a work environment that was a little toxic. And so my anxiety was just like through the roof. I would go home and cry and not know why I would crash like zero joy. And is it at the same time, like your mom is, you know, struggling and then you're dealing with all these hormone imbalances and then you're at a job that is not really fulfilling you. Was this like, kind of like, did they all kind of overlap? I know I'm like kind of getting everywhere. Cause the, I'm telling you the whole four years, the past four or five years have been insane and mentally insane. So my mom passed in 2017 in October, October, November 1st, she passed on the 22nd day after her funeral. I left November 1st. I started that job. Like I didn't take any, I wanted out. I wanted to numb block fade away, like just anything I can do to completely mask. 
And that's when it really started to take a toll on my body. I was getting these crazy yeast infections and UTIs and, um, just pain everywhere. And then visibly I couldn't hold a conversation. I would be so erratic and frenetic with my energy. I couldn't focus on anything. If I was in the car, I had to be listening to a podcast, no music. It had to be podcast. Cause my brain would have to be going. Mm-hmm. Um, anytime I took yoga, I would just sob because it had to be a hot yoga class where I was getting workout and distracted. But then when in, in Shavasana, when you're mm-hmm. laying there at the end, I would just sob and I couldn't figure it out until probably a year and a half, two years ago that I just, I had been in this crazy state of heightened anxiety for the past three and a half, four years that the only emotions I could feel were heightened anxiety or like low depression. The in-between moments were just, I could not find any joy. Couldn't couldn't find any joy because it was either this or this. Like I was so conditioned to the volatility that any of the midline mundane day-to-day things that I wanted to be grateful for. I was just like, I don't give a fuck. So fast forward, I was like, I got to change something. So I really started implementing less processed foods, um, less caffeine, less alcohol, less processed oils was a huge one. And then just an abundance of vegetables and greens and plant foods, but I still liked eggs and seafood. So that's why I called it plant dominant because when we put ourselves in this box of vegan or plant-based, it just not because anyone else cares. Cause honestly, nobody gives a shit what I eat. Right. But, but people, people, when you're in this state of anxiety, you like to have a box to fit in. It makes you feel safe. Mm-hmm. And I think when people give themselves a little bit of freedom, they're like, well, oh my God, then don't get me near cookies because if I'm not vegan, then I, I can have those cookies. And I think that we give ourselves no credit for being able to make healthy decisions, you know? Right. Yeah. That is so true. First of all, I want to go back, you know, I'm sorry to hear about your mom. That's freaking devastating. And I'm sure if any listeners that have a good relationship with their parent, that's like, you know, it's hard. It's, I can't, you know, I can imagine the pain and then afterwards just feeling so, alone. And I think most people in their life at some point will experience some type of anxiety and depression. And it's like, it's such a lonely state to be in. You feel like kind of like the walls are, you know, crashing in and, you know, you're like, what do I do? What am I doing with my life? And then that, that deep sadness of losing somebody you, you love. And then going to a job you don't like, and then you're feeling the, you know, when you're looking in the mirror and you're seeing, you know, the acne, and then it's like all of these things it's internal, but it's also external. And there's just so much, much pain there. So I want to commend you for, you know, working through it and realizing, okay, something has to change. And was it when you're like laying on that mat, you know, just crying, were you like, okay, did you just like have this when you said like, okay, I started limiting my, the oil, the processed oils. And then, you know, um, 
looking at things that were processed and adding more vegetables and things were, was it just like an automatic kit? Was it something that you heard or was it, what was it that you're like, okay, there needs to be some type of change. I'll be very honest in the beginning. It was kind of unhealthy. It was more of an obsession. It was a control thing. Right. Um, and I think a lot of people can relate to that where they just want to latch on. And that's how, that's how really not great habits form, but also I think I got not lucky, but I was very self-aware right during that time. Also, I would like to say, I feel very self-aware that I just spoke for God knows how long and I just kind of went. So thank you for bearing oh, I love, I love that when you would <laughs> talk because it is very uncomfortable when it's like one sentence answers and like, oh yeah, that's the worst. go with this. Um, and I've been there, I've had interviews like that. So mm-hmm. no, I appreciate you being so open. And I, I think it's, um, an interesting, you know, experience that you're going through too, because you're used to asking the questions and it's a different <laughs> So I appreciate you. So, well, for the process, I I genuinely like, as I started to look at myself in the mirror, I just hated my face. I hated the way that I couldn't figure out what was happening. And, and it's something that was, I think that the physical, the physical manifestation of my anxiety coming out in my skin And my hormonal imbalances coming out in my skin was a big catalyst for me moving forward because I was just thinking like, okay, is it something I'm eating? Is it something that I can control? So that was my first route. Um, Of course, I took out my IUD. I knew that I didn't, I I knew that anything inside of me, it just, I had this little ping that I was like, I I gotta get this out. This does not make sense for me. I'm not even really having sex. Uh, Let me get this out. Right. That made a huge difference in, um, And I had been on birth control since I was 14 years old. So I definitely, that's my personal decision. I I knew it was more important for me to be able to track my own cycles. And so once I got the IUD out, it got a little less inflamed. My skin did, but then I went even further and I started adding in things like extra potent antioxidants, like spirulina into my smoothies, I would try to actually have balanced meals. So instead of just having one big salad, I would add a ton of hemp seeds and I would add chia seeds. I would put chia in my water, which I still do frequently. Um, I would do big green smoothies. I would still do some eggs. I would do seafood, but I wouldn't do anything processed. And I'm sure my roommates can attest to this. Like I was not fun to go out with. I was not fun to eat with. It was, I wouldn't go out. I would go in my room, close my door and like try and go to sleep mostly because I had this anxiety that I had to wake up at 3 AM. And if I miss my alarm, like, Oh my God, I'm getting fired. So I would be very regimented, but regimented isn't even the word. It was obsessive, like with the sleep and the things like that, that it got to a point where I was like, well, why, why am I stressing so much about this? Because I'm miserable while I'm stressing about this and I'm still fucking tired in the morning. Like it's early. It's so early. Early. Oh my God. So early. And then you have to be on when you're in there. Other people are tired. You can't be tired. You're not in there, you know? So I, I started by really eliminating the oils I was cooking with 
I would try my best to get sleep. I changed my whole skincare routine. I, and all of these things made a small difference, but I was also doing like hit classes and high intensity weight training and hot yoga. Yes. But more so for the sweat of it, not the spiritual aspect. And so I was doing like intense workouts five, six days a week. Plus my lifestyle was already super, super active. So I think I was a little even underweight at the time, but not, I wasn't startling anybody. I know I didn't have a big problem, but the thing, and I, I hate saying this because it's not realistic for everybody. The thing that changed my physical skin plus the UTIs and the yeast infections and the everything that was going on down there. And like, it was bad. It made me it also so isolating to have any of those feminine problems. Like Jesus tell, talk about not wanting to like, look at yourself in the mirror, especially in your, you know, in your twenties, it's like, you know, you want you're like your prime, you know, most people say they're twenties time or whatever. And you're like wanting to go out and look your best. And, yeah. You know, when you don't, when you feel like you don't look your best, then your self-esteem is affected. And then mm-hmm. your whole mood is affected and your relationships are affected. So yeah, I couldn't. And, and then you're like, but also you, you recognize this as a fitness instructor. I was wearing tight leggings and tight tank tops, like crop belly everywhere all day, like tits up to your chin <laughs> and like, Abs popping and you're demoing all these moves, everything's sleek, but wearing leggings while you have like chronic yeast infections and UTIs every day, having to be on antibiotics sometimes for the UTIs, trying to find supplements to heal your gut after the antibiotics, like, fuck, it's exhausting. Right. All of that to say the big shift happened when I eventually said, this is no longer for me. I had been, I had nutrition clients at the same time. And I was like, I just have to take the leap. I have to take the leap. It was post COVID. And I was post COVID. Well, no, no, I'm sorry. Not post COVID. No, this was, this was two, almost two years ago. Okay. um, Oh my gosh. We're at this. We're with COVID. It's like two. No, no. It's like, it was, it, it was a year and like five, a year and a half ago. Wow. And I, I quit. I, quit with good intentions. I quit with a good backup and my whole body changed. Mm. I was so much less inflamed. I was taking breaks from working out like real breaks. I was eating more intuitively because my body wasn't in this heightened state of You just did hit. So get a protein shake. And then you're like wired for so much food all day. After I do a hit workout, I am insatiable. So I was constantly eating. So my digestion was just exhausted. I was having super inflamed conference calls. If you know what, if you listen to the podcast, you know what a conference call is. Like it's when you go to your poop in the morning, (laughs) like so inflamed that's gotten better. My skin almost immediately cleared up. Um, not to say that working for yourself doesn't have its own challenges, but the lifestyle, I couldn't do it anymore. Mm. I could not keep comparing myself to everybody else. And I think that it was the only thing in the world that allowed me to slow down and actually start to process my emotions. So all of that to say is I had to do a lot of work, but it was the, it was the flooding in of healthy foods. It was the 
eating warmer foods in the colder months. It wasn't me trying to just have salads all the time when I was, um, not feeling it like all of my intuitive eating practices have come even more so full circle in the past two years after leaving all of that you know hey before we get into today's episode i want to talk to you about being financially fit finances can be a huge stressor in many households not to mention confusing because it's not something that is generally taught in school. So it can be a bit overwhelming when trying to figure out what to invest in, how to invest, creating a budget, and paying off debt. Deborah Ostrom is a sponsor of the show, and she is also a financial coach who helps women create their own financial plan with simple methods, and she offers one-on-one coaching and has an online program to help women take control of their financial future. Check out her website, DebraOstrom.com. That's D-E-B-R-A-O-H-S-T-R-O-M.com to learn more about how she helps women master their money. And I will leave all that information in the show notes. I love that you mentioned intuitive eating. I think it's also, um, you know, informed eating because you figure out how, how your body works and really paying attention. And I know there are listeners like, well, I don't, I don't even know where to start, but, um, I think they, it's a crossover of information that you're finding, you know, from podcasts, things like that. And then listening to, to your body, you know, what works best for you. I had, um, a girlfriend on a couple of weeks ago and it was such a good episode, but she talks about her journey and what, what most of us have is some type of, especially in this day and age with diet culture is this disordered eating. And you even mentioned like in the very beginning, it wasn't, it wasn't healthy. It was almost like an obsession. It was a control. You didn't want to be, um, you know, people didn't want to be around you. And I think a lot of us can relate. And what you're saying, definitely, I've been at points in my life where it was all about, all about control and oh that has gluten in it so I, I I can't and I realized over the years like to let go of some of that obsession because it gets so freaking exhausting you know and so I'm glad you mentioned that and then having that courage because you were training personal training and coaching. And were you scared to make that jump to work for yourself? And what was, you had enough business to, to do that? Or how did you transition over to working for yourself? It, yeah, it was terrifying. And I was nervous because I went in thinking I was going to have this like bad bitch conversation. Like I'm going to be fine without you. But I went in and I was just like, Thank you. I just went went in with gratitude. I was like, thank you so much for everything. If there's ever an opportunity for us to like collaborate in the future, I want to do this, but I had been getting more clients for nutrition, especially from my experience working in the gym. Uh, and there were like thousands of members. So it was, it was a good steady flow. Uh, the gym at the time I did build out a nutrition program, but at the time it wasn't conducive to their growth strategy. And so it just didn't work out timing wise. So I just took that program with me when I left. So I did build out this entire program knowing that it would have been valuable, but I was like, okay, well, I'm still going to use it. So I'll use it myself. So it's not like business was booming by any means, you know, I still had the podcast. I still 
I was trying to make ends meet and I definitely had to tap into some savings for a little bit, which I did have, like I prepared myself. I was, I, I built up savings that I knew that I'd be okay for a few months, you know, and I wouldn't recommend anyone leave their job because, and for the reasons of stress and stuff like that, just to go be more stressed with something else. So have a plan, go in with some structure, but yeah, it was, it was nerve wracking, but I also knew that it, I knew that I would figure it out. Like, I just knew that I would figure it out because anything was going to be better than how I was feeling. Mm -hmm. And so at that point I started to meditate a ton. I started to sleep a little bit more healthfully, spend a little bit more time outside. I had been doing lower impact workouts. So all of these things put me in the mindset of a more abundant mindset. I was still, I was still had anxiety. I was still so nervous after quitting my job, like steady paycheck, whatever. But now it went into making all my own income on my own. Like it has to come through me and it's scary and it's still scary. That's been a year and a half, but we've made it work. And I know that as long as I continue to do the things that make me feel magnetic, then and an understanding that I'm not going to feel like that every day, having a green juice every single morning, taking my probiotics so that I don't keep getting yeast infections and UTIs, continuing to take immune support for my body, continuing to do intuitive workouts based on my cycle, eating warming foods that are better for my, in Chinese medicine, in Ayurvedic medicine, there's, um, I, Ayurvedic, but there are doshas. And I kind of figured out a little bit more about how me as a human being operates and some raw foods just don't do it for me, but like, I'll do a green juice, but then I'll do something warming and hearty and hot because I work better with warmth. And all of these things help me to attract what I need to survive and what I need to feel good. Um, like money. So <laughs> like money. And so that's that's kind of how I went into the the process of of leaving. And it is a process. It's not just a one time figure it out. Like I thought about it for six months. Absolutely. Let's go into kind of like your your daily routine. Talk about what you put in your green juice that helps you feel your best. I love making a fresh green juice, especially during, um, the summer and the spring, but recently for the past, maybe six months, I've been using Organifi's green powder not a plug. Clearly this is your podcast, but I, I love it. I really think that it's great that it has, what I like about it is it actually tastes really good. So I'll do a scoop of that in the morning. So the morning is wake up at like six 45 and then have 32 ounces of room temperature water with a crunch of pink sea salt, which helps to restabilize minerals. And it gives you some electrolytes that you've gotten rid of throughout the day. Also, I think it's just important to have a lot of your hydration in the morning so that you you're conditioned to want it more. And, Mm -hmm. you know, you've already knocked out a good portion of it. I make sure that I do that before I have any caffeine. I don't really do caffeine, but that is within the past, maybe seven months. I haven't been, but, um, 
definitely before any caffeine, you want to make sure you do that. And then I'll do my greens powder, just a scoop, half a scoop and a 16 ounces of water, shake it up. And I just chug it. I don't really sip it. I just chug it, but it's got adaptogens like ashwagandha. It's got wheatgrass. It's got so many different potent antioxidants that I really like. But if I'm just juicing my own, I'll do celery, cucumber, lemon, ginger, or I'll just do romaine and lemon or celery. I mean, anything green, like I, um, unless I'm doing a big oxygen boosting smoothie or a juice, it'll be beets, carrots, red things. It's really, really yummy. So good. So you start your day with that and then how do you kind of move throughout your day? Do you meditate? Do you do a light workout? What does that look like? Every day is a little different. Um, but I, I prefer it on an ideal day. I would work out in the morning and if I'm on my cycle or a few days before my cycle starts, then I'll do either just an incline walk or some mat Pilates or I'll just stretch or I won't do anything. Typically I like to walk. I like to walk all the time, but, um, I'll do like my Duolingo on the treadmill while I'm walking and start to get my Spanish back a little bit. And then, and then I come back in, I've already done the coffee in my whole morning routine. Like I read, I meditate, I do my journaling, and then I go do 40, 30 minutes of movement. And then by that time, it's probably, it's probably nine. And then I'll usually have the first couple of calls, nine, 10 little break, 11. I I kind of batch it up. And then depending on if it's a podcast day, for instance, today, I have this at nine 30, I have a 12 o'clock client and then an interview at three that I'll do with someone. So it's, it changes every day, but I make sure to have a night routine, like snuggle with my boyfriend on the couch and the dog and make sure the dog is super happy. He's amazing. Um, and I try and do blue blocking glasses at night and I won't do screens an hour, maybe 45 minutes before bed. I try and read my boyfriend. He's not really into that. He'll still do TV, but I'll, I'll go in the bedroom and close the door and read my book whatever it may be. And I have like a little sound machine sometimes, or we'll have like the little white noise playing. Um, we do no overhead lights at night. Like this white light is killing me right now from the <laughs> ring light, you know? Yeah. But, but then we'll have like pink Himalayan sea salt night lights. We'll have our, just our lamps and things like that. So we try and keep it dim and cozy at night. We'll do like a big yummy dinner and that's, that's the evening. We probably settle down at seven and maybe we'll go for a walk. We like, he's a, he owns a personal training studio. My boyfriend does. So he's, he likes to move around too. So we'll, we'll go for walks at night. It's really nice. Yeah. So it sounds like so peaceful. <laughs> Just like <laughs> That's my dream day. I told you that's my dream day. Uh, yeah. But I mean, it is, it is so nice. Hey, before we continue with the show, I want to talk to you about something that you might not think about too often, but it is vital in keeping you and your family safe, and that's insurance. In today's hectic world, we women have so many roles and things on our plate. Our to-do list seems to get longer and longer. Rachel Davenport, the principal agent at LH Griffith and Company, understands because she is a wife and mother herself. 
Rachel can assist you with all of your insurance needs, whether it is trying to find the best deals on auto insurance, helping select the most appropriate home insurance coverage, or helping you protect your family with health and life insurance. Rachel does it all. We know what a headache it can be to select the best insurance. So to save yourself precious time and energy, give Rachel Davenport a call today for all your insurance needs. Her number is 864-828-0579. That's 864-828-0579. Or find her on Facebook at Rachel Sells Insurance. All her information is in the show notes. Okay, back to the show. When, okay, so if people are like, okay, I'm experiencing, you know, anxiety or something is is off, what are some little things that you think really, really help you besides like quitting your job, but anybody <laughs> can, cause that's, that's a big- a, such a drastic thing to yeah. do. We don't have to just quit your job. Please yes. don't. <laughs> what can people do to like get on this path of starting to feel better? Little things that literally basically anybody can do. Before we can feel better, we have to feel. I think a lot of us are really resistant to that. Mm-hmm. A lot of us want to just add in all these practices, but they don't know really what they're covering up, what they're running from, what they're anxious about. I would say one big resource is if if you're a woman and you are saying, I'm a control freak or like, it's just part of your natural identity to say, I'm better when I have control. I like control. Who doesn't like, let's, let's not say that that's, that is not special. That is just a narrative. Mm. I think that a big thing that helped me in a time where I had no control over anything was a book called the daily stoic by Ryan holiday. Mm. And this is something I have read every morning for the past four years. I read one page a day and it has the, it has the date on it. So this morning I read January 25th and I can look back and see notes that I've written over the years on that same page. And I won't see it again until next year. I'm like, wow, I was deep last year. You know, that is a big one because it puts you in a space of a stoic mindset where the only thing we can control is our reasoned choice. We can't control our body. We can't control our neighbors. We can't control our relationships. All we control is the way we process and, and not even react, but the way that we approach situations. Mm -hmm. And that's all I'll say about that. But that is genuinely a tool that I think that anyone should have in their toolbox. The daily Uh, stoic, the daily stoic. Okay. Yeah. And one other thing, and I'm actually, I get really tough lovey about this one because it genuinely frustrates me a lot when I hear people talk about their anxiety, yet they're drinking coffee and they are looking at their phone before they go to bed. And before, as soon as they wake up, right. Our bodies are naturally inclined to look for panic when we wake up because going back to caveman times, we had to make sure there wasn't, you know, a saber tooth next to us. So we wake up and we naturally go towards a little bit of panic and that's okay. That is normal. That is part of human nature. That does not make you an anxious person off the bat. So let's just debunk that. If you're one of those people that you wake up anxious, wake up, 
observe, oh my God, I automatically got really anxious about, maybe you don't even know what about. Take huge deep breaths, like deep in through your nose, big exhales through your mouth, maybe 10 times. And then just say, okay, let's restart that wake up. Maybe you get up, don't reach for your phone. Please don't reach for your phone. Like turn off your alarm, that's fine, but please don't reach for your phone. It has nothing for you unless you are an on-call doctor and you're going to save lives. Like, please don't look at your phone. There's, you're good. 10 minutes, 10 minutes is, if you don't have 10 minutes, Tony Robbins says this. He's like, if you don't have 10 minutes in your day, you don't have a life. So let's not act like we're the president of the United States and we have a million things to do. Right. So 10 minutes, like, let's be real. So you can bring your phone out with you, maybe to the kitchen, but leave it there while you make your coffee, while you have your water, while your coffee is making, you drink your water. If you're a very anxious person, maybe you're substituting half of that caffeine with decaf. I do a half calf on days where I'm like, I'm not anxious at all. I can just enjoy this coffee. But today, zero caffeine because I'm first day of my period and I'm like wired. (laughs) But um understanding your cycles. Where are you on your cycle? Is it right before you're about to be on your cycle? And is, are you on it? Are you feeling anxious because you haven't slept? Okay. Were you on your phone before you went to bed? Like let's stop trying to reinvent the wheel with what we're doing and, and go back to what we know works, which is not having our phone in the morning for the first 30 minutes, staying hydrated, minimizing caffeine and alcohol and like replacing your nightly glass of wine with maybe a nightly glass of kombucha or sparkly water or Zevia, whatever it floats your boat. But I like that having a strategy that isn't reinventing the wheel, but people, people want the weird tip, right? Yeah. You want something like, Oh, you know, and really it has to be realistic. I'm like, if you can't do this all the time or it feels like such a strain, like what, what is the point? But the phone thing is such a huge thing for me. It's like, I, I try not to go on social media until like at least 11. Like I don't, I used Good. to like wake up and then go and like scroll on social media. I'm like, no, I'm not going to do that. You Instead of timer on. Um, I, I, oh, like I have an hour where I yeah, can yeah a day and it'll tell me, and you know, I want listeners to know I'm not perfect. Sometimes I go past, I put my passcode in and I'm like, like last week was terrible for this. Like I was Mm -hmm. obsessed with being on my phone and I'm like, stop. And I felt it. I had huge anxiety. My anxiety was so high, high last week. I did not feel good. And this week I'm like, you know, that was right before my period too, but being more in tune with my cycle as well as like, I write it down, like every single time, right before I get my period, I cry. And I feel very irritable. And then I'm starting to pick up on that. Like, okay, you're not crazy. No, your hormones are messed up. Like you're okay. And it's okay. And so those tips, yeah, that you're mentioning, it's like being more in tune with what you're, what you're going through. And if you're experiencing those anxious thoughts, okay, I'm experiencing this. Why, what is going on in my, my life right now? What is, what is, what am I feeling? What are my thoughts? And then, then changing that. Okay. Then searching for what is right, right now. Like what is good right now? What am I grateful for right now? And And then. And just like seeing like, where do I physically feel anxious? Do I feel it in my head? Do I feel it in my chest? Am I sure my shoulders right here? You know, are we, is it in your lower back? Is it in your digestion? You keep having these crazy stomach aches what are, what I always ask, what got you here? 
Mm. because that's not working. Right. What got you here? Because otherwise, that's why I ask every single client, like, why are we on this call? Yeah. If, we, if we're just trying to figure out how to do the same shit. And if you're just on a call trying to get me to say what you want to hear, then that's wild. Yeah. And I, I want people to feel something without feeling that numbness and anxiety is definitely a part of life. It is okay. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's not, it doesn't have to be tragic. And, and sometimes there does have to be medicine involved, but I think that for the most part, there are controllables. There are controllables, caffeine, alcohol, sleep, and things like ashwagandha. If there are little rituals you can do, like Palo centering your home, just to make sure the energy is right. Um, whether it's putting up boundaries from friends, I physically delete the app off of my phone. I delete Instagram fully the whole app off of my phone, at least twice a day. Wow. Um, I, I get so distracted. I get so distracted and you get so much work done. It doesn't delete anything. It's just not on your phone, but if I like physically go in, yeah. And you have to physically go in and I'm like, okay, maybe I'll just knock out one or two more tasks before I redownload it. And it has been a game changer because I'm not comparing what I'm doing and I'm super intentional about what I'm posting on social media. Like, yes, yes. Cause there'll be sometimes I'm like, oh, I, I need, I should post this to my story or whatever. And I'm like, gosh, it comes, becomes so consuming because you're trying to keep up with the algorithm. And I'm like, this is not the way I want to live my life. It's just like so consumed. And last week, like I said, I was like, it's so consumed. And this week I'm like, I don't, I don't care. I don't care. And I, I gravitate to the more, I don't care. Like I want more of that than being like, well, I have to be farther along or whatever it is. You yeah. Know? Do you, so you last week, it was a week before your cycle. And I'm assuming you're like a couple days in, maybe a few days in, and you're almost finished. I got it Sunday. So I guess this would be my third day. Yeah. So today and tomorrow is going to almost be the start of the follicular phase, which is the fun phase where you're up, where you're confident, you can take things on, you can go hit your PRs and wear workouts. And so for the next two or three weeks, you're good. You can take things on. You have a backbone. You can take a joke, but last week it's like low self-worth can't do a workout. The workouts that I normally do seem so hard, you know, all of those things. It's just crazy. And we gravitate more towards social media and that confirmation. Yeah. When we have that low mindset, like we do before. So maybe for anyone listening, the few days before your period, plan out really low impact workouts, plan Mm -hmm. out like long walks or an incline walk. If you're somewhere cold or something and minimize caffeine, expedite self-care and, um, delete the app off of your phone, maybe starting at 5 PM so that you fully wind down. It will change your life. I'm so happy you said that because yes, last week I'm like, everything was like just irritable and then very, very, and it's funny that this topic is coming out tomorrow, but, um, I talk about the difference between self-esteem and confidence and my self-esteem was so low. I was like looking, picking my body apart and I'm like, mm-hmm. what doing? Like it was, it was torture. And, um, so I'm so happy you said that it's like a light bulb went out. I'm like, yes, yes. It's so hard. Yes. And it doesn't, it doesn't change that, but it does. It, it's almost like turbulence on an airplane where I hate, I'm, I'm kind of a nervous or I used to be a nervous flyer, but the more you understand that turbulence is normal, it doesn't make it easier when it happens. Cause it's still scary, but 
you understand that everyone else is calm around you. This is just a part of it. This is just a part of flying turbulence. And it's just like, the more you understand about your own body and the more you listen to it, the more it will tell you. It's really interesting. Yes. I love that analogy. So where can, if people want to work with you, you're a holistic nutritionist. Tell us first about, um, what does the word holistic mean when it comes to nutrition and what can, what do you offer to your clients in that process? Uh, well, for the holistic portion, the term holistic in my practice means we're coming at it from a full mind, body, spirit approach. Not only are we looking at what you're currently doing for fitness and movement, but we're looking at what medicines are you on? What supplements, what are your tendencies, lifestyle? What are you currently eating? What type of spiritual practice do you have? And that doesn't have to be anything religious by any means, but what do you do to cater to your inner child and to your, just your practices that, that ground you. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people have come to me and we, we initially start talking about nutrition. Everyone has a personalized program. So it's never a one size fits all, which is another part of the holistic approach is that there's really like, we don't count macros. I'll educate you on what they are just so that it's more knowledge for you. But typically we go into why we gravitate towards certain foods. What types of meals can we create that are balanced? So we go through a lot of practices and exercises so that when you're thrown out into the real world, after we're finished working together, there's like the trail, the training meals have slowly come off. You're not just dunked into an ice bucket. And that's typically what people can expect is a a mindset shift around nutrition, as well as educating themselves on what does a less inflamed lifestyle mean? So living a more plant dominant lifestyle, but in a balanced way where your digestion is on point to the point where you're going bountifully at least every day. Cause if you're, if you're not going every single day, that's, that is abnormal. So if you're mm-hmm. going one twice a week, maybe we need to figure that out. That's not proper. That's something that's your body talking to you. And you're like, Oh, well, I've been like this my whole life again. We'll put you on a protocol where we start to figure out internally what's happening. Mm -hmm. That frees up so much energy. Number one thing that my clients say is how do I have so much energy during the day? And then how do I sleep so well at night? So it's a cool, it's a cool dichotomy that they get both, but that's what people can expect, expect working for me from a holistic approach. Um, and I think that was your question again. Yes. Yes. So where can people, people find you if they're like, okay, this is something I need in my life. Where can they find you there? If your website, and then also on social media. Sure. Uh, on social media, you can find me at Eliza G underscore wellness, E L I Z A G underscore wellness. And honestly, the podcast has uh, so many resources. We have so many great interviews on the hotter than health podcast and, I know that you and I have spoken about this, Lauren, that there's just so much wisdom out there for these professionals to impart that it's, we're really lucky to have this vat of information, but it, 
a lot of it can be misleading. So take what you want and leave what you don't. There's a ton of info. So hotter than health podcast is where a lot of people can get a ton of information. We've got a lot of really, really great guests in there, but yeah, I think those are the two. It's Eliza G wellness. Eliza G. Yeah. (laughs) Double checking. (laughs) Yeah. So you can book with me there. There's also the monthly meal plan. So if you're not wanting to do a full on one-on-one nutrition programming, then we can do a, we can simply do a monthly meal plan where you get a plant dominant meal plan delivered to your inbox every single month with grocery lists and recipes and tons of different options. And there's also like an audio experience that goes along with it that you get that breaks down the details of the meal plan. Oh, so juicy, juicy, Uh, juicy. juicy. And I'll leave all that information in the show notes. If you're like, okay, I didn't get all that. Just click down below where um, you're listening. And there's a list of show notes, all the links. Um, Also, we are going to do a giveaway. Can you share what we're, what you're giving away, Eliza? Sure thing. Um, I'm going to give away a subscription to the monthly meal plan. So all you have to do is follow myself, Eliza G underscore wellness and hotter than health podcast on Instagram, and you'll be entered in to win. So follow those. And, oh, I guess in order to figure out who has done that, then, um, send me a, oh, comment on my most recent, um, Eliza G wellness post. Ooh, comment on post. Okay. Awesome. And like to get an extra bonus to this, what I love, uh, cause obviously, you know, about the giveaway through this podcast is take a screenshot of the podcast, share it to your story tag, Eliza G wellness, and then myself at Lauren period Kubat so that we, we know that you're in and then uh, that will be an extra point. And then comment on Eliza's uh, latest post. Amazing. Woohoo. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for letting me just listening to me talk. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Obviously. Thank you for having me. This. Yes, absolutely. It's been uh, a long time coming and I just appreciate you for being yeah. so open. Well, I'm really proud of you and the podcast is really great. And I know that people are getting so much value out of it. Thank you. Same to you. You're a trailblazer in this, in this arena. So I appreciate you. Thank you. All right. Well, I'll talk to you later then. Yes. You guys, if you want to hit stop recording, Eliza's recording. I forgot about that. (laughs) Remember you guys, you've got this. Have an amazing day. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If you love this episode, make sure you are subscribed so you know when more episodes come available. My goal is to inspire others to become their vision, and one way to get the word out is with reviews. I would really appreciate it if you left an honest review on iTunes, and it would mean so much to me. Thanks again, and remember to go after the life you want. Bye, guys. Bye.